This is episode 43 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and my guest today is a huge Oilers fan from Germany and a virtual citizen of Edmonton, Axel Schaefer. Axel, welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. Thanks a lot for, for having me. How are you these days? Yeah, you're welcome for sure. It's uh, I'm great, thanks. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to having you on the podcast to talk some Oilers hockey here and an exciting time of year so it's a perfect time to record an episode but you know i know from following you on twitter you're not just a hockey fan you're a, a big sports fan in general and i saw you were in florida last month for the players championship and uh, you even posted a picture of yourself on the 17th hole at sawgrass wearing an oilers hat which i thought was yeah. pretty cool um w- was that your first pga event that you've attended and uh, which golfers were you uh, most excited to watch yeah, it was it was actually my first PGA event. Um, I mean, it, it was kind of my bucket list for for a long, long time. And some some guys from from all local golf club they they hit me up and they say, okay, we we are going over to um, to Florida to to watch the players. And uh, after all the pandemic and not traveling for for two years, I think it was a great opportunity and. Um, yeah, for for the golf, is, it was really great, but we, we had really bad weather, so there were a lot of breaks. It was really cold, not very Florida-like. And yeah, we were cheering on some of the European guys. So, for example, we followed Ian Poulter uh, for 18 holes because he had done great in the past on, on Ryder Cups. So we wanted to give him some some support. Um, yeah, but all, all the big guys, Kopka, um uh, dj and and all the all the players from the top 10 it was just great to be so close to them and see them playing and uh, man they hit the ball <laughs> uh, yeah so long so precise and even if they get into trouble they always find a way out so it was great also for for my own ge- golf game even it's not of course, in that standard to, to take some some learnings away. So it was overall, it was great experience. Yeah, I think the difference between a professional golfer and the, the average one would uh, would be a pretty huge difference. I mean, not even just like you said, the ability to drive the ball 300 yards, uh, but the recovery shots, even if they ever do put themselves in a bad spot, which doesn't happen very often, they're able to, you know, get the ball back in a, a, a good spot very quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was really impressive, and also we we saw a, a, a hole in one from Shane Laurie oh, nice. the the other day. Yeah, and we <laughs> it was it was really amazing on seventeenth. I mean, it's not the it's not the sixteenth in the in in uh, on the Phoenix Open. Um, so nobody was actually throwing beer beer cans. Um, <laughs> so it was not that rowdy, but we we enjoyed ourselves. Everyone was having a good time. It was just good, yeah, to to finally get back in some some sports event um, after the pandemic, or let's say at the end of the pandemic, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to travel again soon too. And uh, obviously, if you're going to Florida, you want to. Have some really nice weather, so it's it's unfortunate you didn't get to enjoy the sun. You got some rain in the sunshine state, um, but I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dustin Johnson as well. He's uh, one of my yeah. favorite golfers, and of course, there's the connection to Wayne Gretzky being his son-in-law. That, but uh, yeah. but yeah, that's he actually had some 
uh, Gretzky Oilers uh, golf shoes that yeah. he posted a picture of. I don't know if you saw that on, I think he put it on, on his social medias as well. So I thought that was really cool to see. Yeah, well, I was trying to get hold of them. Well, it, it's really almost impossible to get get those in oh, America. It? It, it was, yeah, it was, it was really, I, I wasn't able to get them. I was trying now in, in Europe, but then my wife asking me, okay, you want to spend like 200, 250 Canadian dollars on golf shoe, which you will never wear. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Adidas that makes his, yeah. his shoes, I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, they look nice Adidas. though. Yeah, they, they, they really look nice. And I mean, they, the marketing guys know their, their jobs. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, but, it, but I, I like the connection. Of course, um, the guys who I was traveling when they're making fun of me, yeah, you need to go to Polina Gretzky and say hello, <laughs> you big Oilers fan, things like that. So we, we of course, saw her following DJ. Oh, nice. Um, so that was that was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I, overall, great experience. But uh, I was even more happy that, that the Oilers at that time um, found their groove and they then they beat Tampa. Uh, during the trip, so that was that was also nice. So all in oh, all, it, were you it asked the game? Uh, no, it, it was it, the game was in uh, in Edmonton. Oh, you're you're right. Yeah. The game the game against Tampa uh, yeah. that was in Tampa was in February, I believe. And then, yeah. of course, they that was a it would have been a Saturday night game where they they beat the the Lightning. Yeah. That was that was where McDavid had that beautiful rush goal down the wing where he beat uh, Victor Hedman wide. Yeah, yeah, that was that was impressive, and oh yeah, and I think it, it shows what 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 the team can actually do even against uh, let's say supposed big teams. Um, I, so I, I I like the way they 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 took on them, and it also gives me some some confidence for for tonight against the Avalanche. Absolutely. I mean, they've shown that all year that they raise their game against the top teams in the league. And that's really encouraging to see that when they play the Florida Panthers, that they they beat them most recently. I mean, even though they lost 2-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes, they it was a hard-fought game right to yeah. the like, They played the Avs a, a couple weeks ago, uh, lost in overtime. I mean, they they can play with anyone. It's just a matter of not playing down to your opposition either. And you know, sometimes they've they've lost games to teams like Chicago or Ottawa yeah. this year, um, but I really think that uh, when this team is firing on all cylinders, they can handle anybody. But uh, now let's uh, let's transition over before we talk any more about the the current state of the team. I want to find yeah. out a little bit about your hockey background. Uh, so let's just start right at the beginning. Yeah. How did you become an Oilers fan living in Germany? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I always always tell people that um, the the town I was born it, at least it, it has two hundred sixty thousand people in there, but we don't have a hockey rink. So oh, wow. uh, so I I started off with with field hockey, and and traveling to an ice rink would have taken like. 45 minutes to up to one hour. Uh, probably in Canada, it's more more common to drive drive kit there. Uh, but you, if you live across the, the field hockey field, then your parents say, "No, we, we won't take you to the ice rink." Um, right. But but um, oh, I, I fell in love um, by just watching some some German 
um, ice hockey games, or what we call it in Germany, so German hockey games. So I followed one one team, um, and that was 1984-1985, and, and then I bought a, a hockey yearbook, and then I saw some, some pictures of Wayne Gretzky uh, lifting the Stanley Cup when they then finally beat the, the Islanders and, and ended that dynasty. Um, so I immediately fell in love because of the, the team colors, because of Wayne Gretzky, of course, uh, of the success. And then I followed the club uh, results just by um, by looking at newspapers, because at, at that time there were no broad TV broadcasting in, in Germany. So you know, I had to go to the library to see an international newspaper. So I, I checked the results twice a week during the, the um, season. Then I did my calculations on the on the ranking. And by that time, I mean, it was 20, 21 teams in the NHL, right? So it was mm-hmm. it was not a question if the Oilers would make the playoff like, like today. Yeah. Um, so you would, I, I would check the results and then then read some reports. But it was it was kind of hard to to follow it and, and being being so close. It, it got better than in the in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, yeah, so so I followed along. And of course, I was really frightened back in 1998, I think, when, when Pockleton uh, was almost uh, signing a, a deal to sell the team and that would have meant a relocation, I guess, to, to Houston. That, that was really frightening. And that also then intensified uh, my, uh, my fanhood. And um, yeah, then the 2006 run, uh, and then I was I was really bought in. That was that was amazing run. It was mm-hmm. it was so much fun. And then we we just skipped the decade of darkness, and <laughs> yeah. and now and nowadays it's so easy to follow the team. Yeah, so you you have all the all the media reporting uh, uh, on on the Oilers, um, and of course because of Dreisaitl. Uh, also, the German coverage get, got a lot of better, and, and now it's really easy to to stay um, connected with the Oilers. So um, I, I can really cherish it because it it was it was very different in in the 1980s. So just to 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 get results, right? So that shows a lot of dedication by you too, because this was like you said a time when the games weren't being shown on television in Germany and it, it was pre-internet. So yeah. you had to rely on going to a newspaper to get an international, you know, update on how the Oilers were doing overseas. I, that's, that's a really uh, cool way that you had to, you know, <laughs> find out how your team was doing and, and you had to like wait days at a time to see. And of course they were the best team in the league in the mid eighties. So you were probably, seeing a lot of wins when you when you would check that out but yeah um and you said by the early 90s it started to get a little better do you remember when they actually started to show nhl games on tv in germany yeah i, I think my, my my parents got cable tv because in 1988 1989 um so i i remember the series against the bruins 1990 so um uh, um so I, w- I was able to see some of the action, um, and and that was yeah that, that was really 
probably one of my best best uh, Stanley Cup memories, if mm -hmm. I could call that, because uh, uh, usually I would know through through the newspaper and then and the the hockey yearbook and everything how how the Oilers have done. But 1990, there was already more, let's say, attention to it, and and for me it was, I mean, 1988 when when Gretzky was traded to the Kings, that was really, um, yeah, I, I cried um, <laughs> because the thing was a uh, because of the 1988 uh, Olympic Games, uh, um, one of my best friend at that time, um, his parent decided they wanted to go to to Western Canada for uh, during the summer vacation. And he was in Edmonton on the day uh, Wayne uh, was traded. Oh wow! So, so he felt so bad because he because he came home. He, he brought home all the merchandise. So I was <laughs> uh, I was loading him with a lot of dollars to bring T-shirts and caps and everything, and, and right. the per perfect job. But um, yeah, I would always remember I had breakfast, and then my mother came in. It was a newspaper and say, "Hey, um, Gretzky." Uh, I mean, that, that was global news at the time. And, and she was saying, Gretzky is dealt to the Kings. And I started crying. Uh, I was 12 years old and it, it nearly broke my heart. And then I had to take a, a decision. Okay, am I going to, to jump the Kings bandwagon and, and support Gretzky? Or do I stay in and uh, stay in and, and support the Oilers? And uh, that took me like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because because initially I blamed his wife <laughs> for the trade. Uh, yeah. So I was uh, I was not really let's say informed. Um, I mm -hmm. mean I was also highly critical on on Peter Parklington. Um But yeah, I mean well, it, it was devastating that day. But uh, it was also um, let's say the 1990 Cup run was was so great and it was I mean. When you when you see the um, even now the series and and afterwards the celebration and also that they gave gave Wayne a call and they were, were winning it for also for Wayne it, yeah it, I think it was fantastic it was a fantastic achievement at that time and I think it was one of my best Stanley Cup memories ever yeah that, I mean that team winning it in 1990. They weren't expected to win the Stanley Cup that year. You could argue that they were the favorites, at least from 85 through 88. The, the yeah. first one, when they upset the Islanders, they, they were probably still the, the favorites in that series. But in, in 1990, this was a team that Mark Messier, you know, led along yeah. with along with Bill Ranford playing incredible goaltending to end up winning the Conn Smythe trophy as well. And uh, just to go back to the, the Gretzky thing where you said you, you cried when he was traded, you weren't the only one from, <laughs> yeah, I guess. from, what I, from everything that I've seen in Reddit, uh, and people I've talked to, uh, that reaction was, uh, was quite common at the time. I was born about five months after the trade. Okay. So I, I missed out on all you. The, yeah. <laughs> I missed out on all the glory years. I was alive for the 1990 cup, but I was yeah. very, very young too too young to know what was going on. So that's, that's awesome that you were still able to, uh, basically, you know, be following the team through most of the dynasty. Yeah. Other other than the the '84 Cup, when you first be became a fan of the team, yeah, yeah. I know you mentioned you were a big Gretzky fan. He's obviously my hero too. I mean, this podcast <laughs> is named the '99 Forever Podcast after him. Uh, but who are some of your other favorite Oilers players of all time? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, great, great question. And as, as you mentioned, I think in 1990, um, Mark Messi just uh, put the orders on on his shoulder and 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 delivered, um, yeah, uh, unbelievable leadership um, with his team. And um, I, I really liked, uh, or I, I still really like Mark Messi, and I was so grateful that he stayed for for a couple of years longer and he he, he brought this or, or he, let's say he saved this this winning mentality within the team and was delivered to to give it another cup run then in, in, in 1990 that was I, I really liked him i mean then also ryan smith that's another ridiculous trade <laughs> so 2006 was was pronger. I mean, it was pronger is a little bit different animal, but with Ryan Smith, it was uh, yeah, also devastating uh, uh, the trade. And yeah, I mean, most of my heroes, I, I go back to the 1980s. Um, I mean, so many great players. Um, so hard to to let's say um, select select one over Wayne. Um, and I mean, nowadays. Sometimes it's feel kind of weird that uh, I'm, I'm now 46 years old and and I have a Conor McDavid shirt here and in, in, in the in, in, in my let's say man cave <laughs> here. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it's feel a little bit weird because those guys are, are so much younger. Right. But that what right now there's so much talent in the team with with uh, with Connor and 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 obviously with Leon, so I, I'm I'm not cheering them up big time, <laughs> no no question about it. But heroes, yeah, it's uh, let's say it's kind of uh, it it goes back to my childhood when I had really uh, really heroes and and Wayne Gretzky was was everything to me and 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 I think it was great to have him at least a couple of years. Um, in a in a role for for the Oilers Entertainment Group. Um, I mean, he was there uh, in 2019 um, well, during the season opening week. So it was also also great to they at least a little bit feel his aura. Um, but Wayne Gretzky still is my my boyhood hero. So. Yeah, I, and we definitely are on the same page there. He was mine as well, and I've been in the same room as him one time. He came oh, cool. to he came to my hometown of uh, Saskatoon for an event back in 2010, and he was here with Gordy Howe, and was being interviewed by our Canadian Prime Minister on stage for about an hour, hour and a half, and you know you just got to hear Wayne tell stories about. Yeah. Yeah, his his career and and times with Gordy and it was it was awesome to just take that all in and you know I was just twenty one at the time and I, I'd been following Gretzky for you know well over ten years by that time after he had retired so that yeah. was that was such a cool experience for me and the the only thing I wish I I could have met him that night but he was basically secluded to an area of people who had paid for a much expensive yeah. much more expensive table at uh, at that dinner than I was at. I mean it was a huge like auditorium type event so I mean I was pretty much near the back of the the room but just just to still to be in his presence hear those stories and say I was at least in the same room as yeah, the great one that was really that, cool yeah uh, that's that's certainly true. Yeah, and and he seems to be a really nice and humble guy, right? So oh yeah, he's extremely humble. I mean, he 
despite being the greatest player of all time, he just will always compliment his teammates first and and talk about how important those guys were to his success. And, you know, I see a lot of that in Connor McDavid as well. He's always hesitant to talk about himself. He doesn't like it. He likes to put the focus on the team. And uh, let's just hope that uh, McDavid's able to have some of the the team success in Edmonton that uh, Wayne enjoyed back in the 80s. Yeah, that would be great. Um, I wanted to ask, when yeah. when did you first visit Edmonton and how many times have you been there overall? I've been there twice, only twice, I have okay. to say. Um, I was there for the first time in, in 2000 when I did a, a trip after I had graduated from, from university. So I took took a month out and, and traveled to Can- to, through Canada, but that was in the summer. So I just managed to hop off the train. Um, because I was I was doing a train ride from Toronto to Vancouver and visiting several places then, so I just jumped off the train and uh, and and went to Rexall Place just to just to see the building, um, and and then finally in in 2019 I I then had the opportunity to come over and and spend an entire week there uh, for the for the season opener and then and then a second game and and that was really great. Um, um, I mean, um, when I was 16, it was supposed that I would go over um, um, and for half a year. So that that, that was planned uh, together with my parents. But um, and that was also have mean that that I would have been there from September to January. So I would have a, a good good chance to to go to some games. But um, then they they cancelled it uh, because of financial reasons. Because mm-hmm. I was su- supposed to go to um, I think a private school. Um, I think there there are Catholic schools um, around there. And at the time it it was quite expensive. And then my my parents said, okay, and they they cancelled the trip on short notice. They, they sent me to the US, and instead I was really <laughs> frustrated. I have to say, <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't. Spoke to them for a couple of days, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, the, the funny thing is that when, when I returned, I mean, when I returned, and when I came to Edmonton back in 2019, so I, I drove through the city, and then I saw the the name of the Catholic. I I saw the Catholic Church, so I said, okay, this this seemed to be kind of kind of um, destiny that then after more than you know, almost 30 years. Um, I come to Edmonton and, and, and having a good time, and then then see the, the school name where, where I would have been then for half a year, but uh, fortunately it never materialized. But yeah, uh, now I'm let's say uh, easy again with my with my parents, so uh, no worries here. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what do you remember about your first game in Edmonton? Who was it against? Do you remember the score? Anyone who scored in that game? Was there any big moments? I did, the game was in 2019. It was the season opener against the Canucks, and the Oilers won 3-2. And uh, and Leon uh, opened the um, opened the scoring, so that was that was kind of nice. I mean, it was a, it was a, the the season uh, when when the major change happened. So so Holland came on board and 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 Tippett. So everyone was kind of eager to know where we stand, and and I think we came off of a good start. And also, the, I mean, the, the season opener was on a Wednesday, 
And then there was another home game which I attended. That was on Saturday. Uh, we beat the Kings six five in a in a wild game. And uh, I mean, by that time, I, I made some friends in Edmonton. So they was they were let's say we had nice seats and we had lots of beer. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and at a certain time, uh, it was because Mike Smith was was the starting goalie, and and man, he. He screwed it up several times, big times, and, and let the Kings come back into the play. And I say, oh, wow, okay, I have to drink less. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I probably will not, will not see the end of the evening. So, but, but it was, no, it was a great experience just being in that building, being with other Oilers fans. And, and, and there was one guy who came over um, from, uh, from Manitoba. So he drove for, for 11 hours just to be at the game. And that was, that was really nice so it was very special to me and uh, I mean sometimes I would love we we have all, we would always have the let's say playoff atmosphere and and at, at Rogers place because sometimes can be a little bit quiet and, and and in Europe usually there are some hardcore supporters who make a lot of noise so that's a little bit different than in North America but for me it's just a privilege to to go there being able to to see the Oilers live and and so that was that was really nice and um i would have planned to come back earlier uh but because of the pandemic it's it's um yeah i need to see when when i have the next opportunity to come over but um i have a 11 years old daughter and we have a deal with my wife so whenever the oilers would go on a decent cup run and go to a Stanley cup final then we would be allowed by my wife to come over and we would probably say we have a 90-year-old uh, Annie in in Edmonton, which she would need to need to see. It. So that's a that's a story for the school then to take my my daughter off for, for a week or so. But uh, yeah, we we would definitely come over if if the Oilers go go deep in the playoffs. Well, hopefully they'll be going uh, on a deep playoff run this spring. So maybe we'll see in June sometime. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I also remember about that game, the, the first one. Uh, that that game in 2019 against the Canucks was McDavid's first game back from his knee yes, injury as well. Yes, that's true. That's true, yeah. And he he scored a, a beautiful game-winning goal where he cut through that's the defense. Right, yeah, so yeah. You, must have, uh, you must have heard the building be pretty loud, at least at that moment. Yeah, yeah. That that's true. I almost forgot about it. And I, I mean the the last game from from the prior season when he got hurt at, at the meaningless game against the Flames and, and 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 that was really frightening. And and I have to say uh, um, I have to take off my cap for for Conor McDavid what he achieved during the summer. Uh, I mean his willingness to come back and putting all that that work in all the effort. Um, so that's really, really top notch. Um, and, and since then, knock on wood, he, he seems to be, be, be okay, uh, health wise. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it's always my, my biggest fear that either Connor or, or Leon get, get, get injured because mm-hmm. still we are, re- we are relying just, just from the statistics, we are relying big time on, on both of them. Right. So, Let's cross yeah. fingers that they uh, that they will be healthy uh, going forward. Absolutely, you know they they are such vital parts of this team, and you know Connor has had some injuries in his career, but yeah. other other than the injury in his rookie year, 
he hasn't ha- missed too much time That's as true, a result yeah. of being hurt. I mean, it, it was a devastating injury that he suffered at the end of the 2018-19 season when he crashed into the post in Calgary. Yeah. I was actually at that game. Oh. And uh, if there's any silver lining to come out of it, it's that he was six months away from puck drop on the next season. So yeah. he had a full off season and he never missed one game despite that horrible injury. So yeah. thank goodness for that. Um, I also want to ask you about the NHL's global series in 2018 uh, uh, where the Oilers played an exhibition game in Germany against the Cologne Sharks. What was that experience like to watch the Oilers play a game in your home country? And, you know, I remember watching that game on TV. And, and just like you mentioned a minute ago, the atmosphere just was unbelievable. You could just feel it through the screen how how excited the fans were. Yeah, uh, they didn't they didn't stop chanting and cheering the entire game. Uh, do you I mean, what was that like to be there? Ah, I, it, it was a great experience. I, I mean, um, on the day they announced it, I, I told my wife that there's no way we're going to miss that because we just <laughs> lived like a like a 25 minute drive from the from the Cologne Arena away. So I said, okay, we we will have we will have a big day out, and so I bought some some nice tickets, uh, bought a, bought an Oilers shirt for for my daughter. My wife is not so much in sports. Say okay. You better save the money for for an Oilers shirt for me and <laughs> buy some <laughs> decent tickets. So uh, so we did that. And the funny thing is, um, somehow I, I had trouble uh, with with getting the tickets delivered. So I was really nervous. And then I gave the Cologne Sharks, so that the the team the Oilers playing that day. I gave the the office of the Cologne Sharks and um, and, and call them. They say okay. If there are any problems, just just drive by and and, and pick up the tickets. So the, the funny thing was, right at the time I was going there, that was during lunch break uh, um, when I was at work. So I, I drove there, and then there were people standing out there with Oilers shirts, and I say, okay, hey guys, what what's happening? And they say, yeah, the Oilers are having um, training inside. And, um, that there's let's say a small ice rink which is non-public uh, close to the arena where the clone sharks have their head office. And then, then there was a security guy and he was looking at me and I was wearing kind of suit because I was coming from work and say, yeah, I have, a, have an appointment with, with the Cologne Sharks. And then he let me in and then I was just bumping into, uh, um, oh, what is his name? Uh, um, the um, uh, the, broad, the host of the um, um, Oilers. Um, Gene Principe? Uh, no, not Jean Principe, uh, Stauffer, uh, Bob, Bob Stauffer. Stauffer. So, so I was bumping into Bob Stauffer and then and, uh, and I, and I uh, picked up the uh, the tickets. And then when I came back, there was Milan Lukic at the time. And when Leon Dreisaitl, there was Conor McDavid and all the guys were there. And I was just standing there. And I, after five minutes, and the security guy approached me and said, yeah, I thought you have an appointment. Yeah, yeah, I have an appointment. And then, then, I, just, then, uh, then I just left. So that, that was a nice experience. And then the actual day, I, I was so I was so pumped up, and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a, just a great experience, um, and I was really amazed by the sheer number of Oilers shirts around the arena. There were so many Germans with uh, with the shirts on, mm-hmm. and um, because I was kind of thinking. 
that I would be let's the say, only one. one one of the few Germans, <laughs> but especially pre Dreisaitl, uh, to cheer on the Oilers, and then and there were so many many Germans. And I was so proud, and uh, and we had a we had a great time. Actually, we we met some some people from Edmonton, which I later then then meet again uh, in 2019 uh, because then I was doing a. A Twitter, uh, a tweet on that, and then and then a guy uh, sent me a, um, a message to say, "Hey, I know you. You're from Cologne." Oh, <laughs> nice. Then we, then we met up for the for the LA Kings game. So that was that was really fun. And uh, yeah, I mean the the fans in Germany they can get really excited. So it was a it was a nice atmosphere, and, and the Cologne Sharks gave the Oilers a hard time. And I, w- I was really, I was really uh, nervous. Because mm-hmm. the game went to overtime, and I, and I was just thinking, if the Cologne Sharks beat us uh, here in overtime, I I, I will le- I will uh, le- need to listen to stories for another ten years every time I wear my shirt or my Oilers cap in 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 the supermarket. So <laughs> thankfully, you wanted to make sure the team won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of relieved, even if it was just an exhibition game. So, so yeah. it was good, good experience. Yeah, <laughs> and of course there were some connections to the Oilers in that game too. I mean, Leon Drysidel's dad was coaching the yeah. Sharks at that time, as well as a uh, former Oiler Ryan Jones yes. was playing for Cologne yeah. at that time. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was there was some storylines there, as well as uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, it, that must have been just so cool to see your team play in your home country. But can you imagine if the Gretzky era Oilers had come to play a game there in, say, 1987 or 1988? How exciting that would have been for a young Axel. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> the the funny thing is there was even a, a, a game uh, without Gretzky. It was in 1990, and um, you won't okay. believe it. So, um, it, oh, I think that's right. I do. I do think I remember hearing that they had played uh, in, in some, some, some games yeah. in Europe in in the early 90s. In the yeah, there, there was a there was a. Um, yeah, also an exhibition game, 1990 in the summer after the Oilers won the cup on on kind of surprise, right? And it was sponsored by a company called Epson. They do printers and mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And they were the the main uh, sponsor of the rivals of the Cologne Sharks, uh, which is uh, called Düsseldorf. So they are just like 30 miles up north from Cologne and um, a team I, I personally support and um, yeah so so my dad and I we, we got tickets for it and uh, I was I was not able to talk I was I was uh, 14 years old and then I saw Messier on the ice and all the guys and they were the defending uh, Stanley Cup champions and I, they managed to beat Düsseldorf I think they, they lost to St. Louis Big time uh, <laughs> because they they went to to Düsseldorf um, uh, party district the night before, so they they all had a hangover. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it was it was really it really fun. But my 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 I think my father never never um, uh, saw me speechless because I was just standing there and and, and looking at all the oldest players, and it was a really old fashioned. A hockey ring, lot of standing uh, area, right? 
and um, it was it was amazing. It was really amazing. A lot of people don't know that the Oilers were, were also there in the 1990s, um, but of course, with 2018 was a different different kind of of game in front of 18,000 people in Cologne. That that was that was awesome. Yeah, I I remember hearing that they had played, but I couldn't recall if it was in sweden or germany or where they had played games but i i think it might have even been on Stoffer's show where he was saying that this this was going to be the oilers first game overseas in uh you know close to 30 years years. yeah yeah Yeah, 28 years a a big deal and i'm i'm so glad you got to see mark messier live and also his brother paul played professional hockey in germany for several years didn't he Yes, he played for for a team called Mannheim, and um, yeah, I saw saw him several times then then on local games. Um, yeah, it was he was also um, a great player, but obviously not the caliber of of Marc Messier. But um, yeah, so lot of brings back a, a lot of memories for sure. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing all that with us and. Uh, Let's dive into some current Oilers talk now. And I think, you know, since we're on the, the subject, I think we have to start by talking about your fellow countryman, Leon Dreisaitl, who scored his 50th goal and 100th point of the season against the Anaheim Ducks last weekend. He joined Wayne Gretzky, Yari Curry, and Glenn Anderson as the only players in franchise history with multiple 50-goal seasons. Dreisaitl also became only the seventh European-born player in NHL history with three 100-point seasons. Axel, how much have you just enjoyed watching a German superstar on the Edmonton Oilers over the past several seasons? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a joy, and it's it's also a privilege to to see him. And and I remember when he was drafted. I think that that was back in two thousand fourteen, so mm-hmm. even before uh, Connor was drafted. So uh, and I remembered, okay, here we go, right? So uh, I, I was I was thrilled that uh, that that the orders were drafting um, a German talent. And I think at that time there was some kind of debate. Okay, if um, I think he was like number four, number five draft overall draft pick. He was third. Uh, uh, third. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He was think. projected to go yeah. fourth. Fourth. And he ended up getting picked third. And and there was a, some debate there. You know, should the Oilers yeah. take Sam Right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, Sam Bennett actually. Reinhardt mm-hmm. went one pick before. So there was kind of that debate. Should it be Bennett or Drysaddle? And obviously. Yeah. Dreisaitl has proven to be the best player in in the draft, so yeah. uh, a, a wise decision by then GM Craig McTavish. Yeah, and um, and I re- also remember a lot of discussion uh, after his um, uh, entry contract, and then the um, uh, the new contract was eight point five million. I mean that that's a bargain. <laughs> now <laughs> really, it is for sure. It's, it's a bargain. So. Um, it's it's just great how how he developed and um, and seeing him do those things. I mean, he's a workhorse on the ice, and he's a team player. Uh, doesn't show off, and uh, he's just a nice guy. And um, the production rate is just unbelievable. And 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 I mean, I, I was watching the game on against the Kings on. For us, it was Friday mornings on Thursday night for you guys, and the the last seconds he was taking the face off. He won the face off, and then um, 
they just calmed down things in, 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 in the King's zone. And it was just amazing. And he worked so hard on, on the face-off. And now he's every time there's a there's a crucial face-off, they, they send out a dry side line. And I think that, that says a lot about him and his ability and also willingness to, to improve further. And also seeing him win the Hart Trophy, that, that, was, that was great. Um, so um, it's a... It's just a big joy watching him, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he will continue to produce at that rate. I, I have no doubts. I mean, it would, would be great to, to see him overtake Austin Matthews. It's um, a leading goal scorer, uh, but overall, I think he's now at 102 points. That just that a great achievement, and uh, he's, he's a great player. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I always say how lucky we are to have Connor McDavid on the Oilers, but we're almost equally lucky to have Leon Dreisaitl on the team. I mean, Dreisaitl currently ranks second in the league in goals, third in points, yeah. second in power play goals, second in power play points, and he's tied for the league leading game winning goals. And I think he's the best dual threat in the game today. If you look over the past 10 seasons, he's the only player in the NHL to put up 50 goals and 50 assists in a single season, and he's done it twice. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, there are other things he does aside from dominating offensively. He kills penalties. He takes face-offs. Uh, he's almost impossible to knock off the puck. Yeah. Axel, do you think Dreisaitl's greatness is underappreciated outside of Edmonton because he plays on the same team as McDavid? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I wouldn't say that that Conor McDavid is getting all the glory. I, I don't think that's happening. And, and for me, also the the MVP vote um, when when driver when driver was awarded the heart shows that, that there is some let's see at least some um, appreciation uh, by by knowledgeable people. <laughs> I would I would say that. But of course, it's it, it's not that easy to. Um, I mean, the North American spot market is so diverse. There are so many, uh, let's say, different sports, different, uh, let's say, heroes, and uh, and and of course, I think um, from a marketing point of view, it's probably a little bit easier to 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 market Conor McDavid uh, than Leon Draisaitl. But yeah, I mean, I don't think. That looking at Dreisaitl's personality, I, I don't think it 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 really bothers him. I mean, he's not not a let's say a glory glory hunter in in any way. So I think he he's fine with it, and he's not frustrated. Well, I I don't think he he will at one day ask ask for a big trade out of Edmonton because he say okay, I'm I'm always no. in the shed, shadow of of Conor McDavid. That's that's not his personality. So you don't see that in hockey as much as well. That's more of a basketball type yeah, thing where yeah, you see yeah, the egos come out that they want to be the star. Yeah, I mean, Drysaitel would be the number one center on almost any team in the NHL if he wasn't playing for the Oilers. And and that's similar to when Marc Messier was yeah. playing for the Oilers back in the, the 80s. He would have been the number one center on virtually every team. But on this team where you play with Wayne Gretzky, you're the second line center. And that just speaks to how deep the Oilers are down the middle. And then you when you add in someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins at third line center yeah. and uh, a young up-and-comer like Ryan McLeod on the fourth line, the Oilers have the deepest forward group in the league with those four down the middle. 
when you're able to have two future Hall of Famers in McDavid and Dreisaitl of leading the charge, you know, you're in a pretty good spot. That that's for sure. I mean, I mean, the, the the future looks bright. I mean, there was a lot of let's say to lots of restructuring in the post Chiarelli era, right? So uh, managing the cap space, uh, it's it's a tough thing to do. Um, probably will we will spend some some times on on that later um, in our conversation. But yeah, I mean overall. I mean, I think Dreisaitl gets gets let's say in in Edmund the appreciation, and also I think if the Oilers would go on a deeper cup run, uh, I think they will also be on a on a bigger stage outside of of Edmonton. It's just that they didn't have the let's say um, the coverage yet. I mean, they would obviously. Um, had it if they would have gone to the conference final then in 2017. I'm, I'm sure of mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I think the time will come. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm positive about that. And let's not forget that Dreisaitl was actually leading the league in points for most of the season. Uh, Connor McDavid obviously had a great start to the season and he's yeah. you know pulled back into the lead recently. But there was, from about November until March, Dreisaitl was a few points ahead of Connor consistently throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. And then, and you know, I had a feeling that, you know, Connor might catch him at some point, but still that just shows how dominant of a player Leon Dreisaitl is, that he's able to push the best player in the world night after night and not just settle for being the second best player of the team. You know, yeah. he's trying to be the best player as well. And I think that when you have two elite talents like that, you know, it's just a matter of time before this team goes on a deep playoff run, like we talked about. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some work, still work to do, but I think also with um, changing the um, the head coach, that was a that was a bold move, but it, it it's for me it was the right move, and it, it was about time um, mm-hmm. to to do this um, because I think with Tippett, um, we would probably would have made it into the playoff, but probably just would catch a wild card spot, and that would have immediately mean trouble in <laughs> in playing against the Avalanche. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I I rather prefer a, a nice divisional setup with with the Kings instead of of going with the with the big teams from from the Central Division, right? Yeah, and the Oilers have shown they can beat the Kings winning the season series three to one this year. Um, And, you know, the only unfortunate thing that came out of the, that six, one win over the ducks on Sunday was that dry crashed hard into the boards behind the net and appeared to have injured his knee. And, you know, he ended up missing the following game against the San Jose sharks before returning on Thursday against the Los Angeles Kings. However, he really wasn't at a hundred percent that game. You could see that, He he was kind of skating gingerly, and it looked like he didn't want to put too much pressure on that one leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you do you think the Oilers should give Drysidle a few extra days off to let him get back to full health, or is he too valuable to keep out of the lineup at this time of year? I it's that's that's an that's a very um, interesting question, right? So so what what yeah. 
how, how do you go about it, right? Because uh, I think no, nobody would, let's say, um, go after the team if we would lost tonight to to the Avalanche, right? They right. they are they are the best team in in the league, and if you probably would give give Leon a little bit of of a break, it it would be could be this game. Um, but then I think we we still have some time until. Uh, Tuesday night against the Wild, and I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think from from his personality, uh, I would say he will try everything to to be with the team tonight, and and then it's a decision of the, of the doctors and and the recommendation of the doctors what to do. Uh, probably we he would if if he needs a scan, it has already been done, and then it's a question how how. Um, let's say severe is the is the injury, and well, how how do you go about it? Right, so tough tough I know question. The, yeah, and I know the Oilers have an excellent medical staff, and I don't think it would be any type of serious injury, or else they wouldn't have let him play against yeah. the Kings the other night. From from what I can sort of gather from listening to Jay Woodcroft in his press mm. interview, it's that it seems like it's a deep bruise on the leg. So it's something yeah. that's probably giving him some real discomfort, but not something mm. that he's going to, you know, make it worse by playing yeah. anyway, but he's just yeah. going to play. He's going to have to play through a bit of a bit pain, of discomfort. Yeah. yeah pain. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought he had a, a real shot to score 60 goals this year, the way he was going there, but yeah. maybe this, will affect him for the next few games. I'd, I'd still love to see him push his totals as high as he can. And, yeah. you know, I, th I think he could score 55. But um, if they had to sit him down for an extra game, I think it's fine. The Oilers have had a really great hot streak lately. Yeah. So they've they've banked a, a bunch of points. And this is a game that's going to be tough to win anyway tonight. And if they had to give him a rest, I, I think that it would be understandable for them yeah. to give him the yeah. night off. Yeah. And I mean, I mean the, the game against San Jose was was yeah uh, a little bit dull, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, somehow we managed to get the points, yeah. But um, I, I was I was looking the game for breakfast, and I was kind of worried uh, because we didn't look great. Somehow that we scored uh, shorthanded, which which I personally really like. I, I love shorthanded goals. Uh, they uh, when they order score, and <laughs> so so I was fired up, and and then just just seeing um, that unbelievable uh, uh, pass and from from Smith to to Colin McDavid, that was just. Wow, I was freaking out. That's, <laughs> now, see, you were you were talking earlier about the game uh, in 2019 when when Smith made a couple blunders with the puck yeah, that yeah. resulted in the Kings scoring. But while that can happen, he's also capable of making that breakaway type pass to Connor. Yeah, so you yeah. kind of have to take the good with the bad a little bit there, and it doesn't happen too often that it ends up in the back of the net. Uh, the back of our own net, I should say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, every once in a while, you get a highlight real goal like that. And I loved the celebration after where yeah, Smith skated yeah, up yeah. the ice to give him a big hug. That, yeah, you know, that's just going to be one of the the moments that we look back on this season. That uh, amazing uh, pass that just hit Connor perfectly on the tape when he skated in and went backhand to win it. 
Yeah, for for sure. Yeah, I I, I almost spilled the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so and, uh, my my daughter was terrified, <laughs> me screaming on the TV. So. Yeah. So do you? I, I meant to ask this earlier, but do sure. you watch every Oilers game live, or do you record it and watch it later? Yeah, it, it, it depends. Really, it depends. I mean, I, I have a I have also have a daytime job, right? So, exactly. So and 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 especially, um, I work in industry, um, and uh, we have during the pandemic, and also now with the Ukraine um, war going on, we have, we have a lot of challenges work wise, mm-hmm. and and so I have to to manage that smartly. So especially when uh, when the Oilers playing the West Coast, uh, that that would be games that that start four four thirty in the morning for me, and that that's fine to watch. So so usually the they they don't um, start uh, four thirty sharp. So there's another like ten or fifteen minutes delay on that. And Pre-game then ceremonies and yeah yeah and, and everything, and then yeah. by five o'clock I'm I'm fully uh, wired in. And and then I just go to work, so so that's okay. that, 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 that's fine with me. Um, sometimes there are matinee games, which, which I know the most of uh, of you guys don't like uh, <laughs> because having a beer at eleven o'clock in the morning <laughs> that could be a tough thing. Um, for for us European guys, of course, it's great because we have beer then in the evening, which which is nice. Um, but yeah, um, I record all the games and then I just do fast forward um, to get an impression of how, how the Oilers are doing. And uh, and of course, sometimes there are that there are games whenever I see the score, uh, I, I I don't want to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know if but, you saw uh, if you saw a big loss, I mean that's probably not going to be one that you're going to want to sit through. But uh, yeah. did you actually get to watch uh, Leon's fiftieth live though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was nice, um, and um, I watched the uh, yeah. Almost, almost all parts of the um, of the Anaheim game, and um, that that was nice, and 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 also seeing him celebrate in, in that 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 kind of way. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's not the he's not the most let's say out outgoing guy on the ice, but mm-hmm. you could really you really see what it what it meant to him, and and also to the yeah. team, and and so that was that was really great. What a shot, too, from low in yeah. the circle. I mean, there aren't many players in the league who could score for, on a one-timer from there. Yeah, it's Especially when he's battling through like a, a sore knee. To, to yeah. pull that shot off, it was just incredible. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I want to talk about the other half of Edmonton's dynamic duo now, Connor yeah. McDavid. And just like he seems to do every year down the stretch drive, McDavid has elevated his game to another level over the past month. He has 13 goals and 29 points during his 15-game point streak, which is also the second longest scoring streak of his career. McDavid also has seven goals in his last six games and reached a new career high in goals with 42 in a 3-2 win over the Kings Thursday. And... Perhaps most impressively, he's leading the league in scoring again with 108 points in 71 games and is looking to join Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky as the only players in NHL history with four scoring titles by age 25. Axel, do you think McDavid will win the Hart Memorial Trophy as most valuable player this season? 
Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that, that, that prior to to our uh, podcast today, and 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 for me the question is really who else? Who else uh, than Conor McDavid? And and I know I'm, let's say I'm I'm bleeding <laughs> copper and blue. Well, but, we're all biased. But, we're all Oilers fans, but every fan is but, has some yeah. level of bias towards their own team, right? But uh, but um, I mean, Hooper is doing a great job in, in in Florida. Obviously, I mean, Austin Matthews. I mean, he's always hyped up by Toronto media. Mm-hmm. So um, if Toronto uh, is the <laughs> say the center of the universe, he would he would probably win it every every year. But yeah, I mean, you could have a debate on yeah if there are other players uh, who do more penalty killing or, or whatever. But I mean, just look at the stats just look at the stats look look at who has the most points and uh, for me it's clear that that he's uh, he sees the, the future uh, he's a hard trophy winner than 2022 and and also sometimes people made a case that because the oilers um didn't reach the playoffs uh but this year i think we're we are certainly to to reach the place playoffs so they they there cannot really be a debate right. other than yeah I don't know if if Huberdor, I mean that they the Panthers are, are having big big comeback wins like like every other night and he scores a dozen of goals uh, but I don't see that happening um, so I think uh, um, your your our hard trophy winner twenty twenty two is Conor McDavid so exactly and and you know. Yes, Huberto is having a career year, and he's only six points behind McDavid. You got to give him uh, credit for that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Austin Matthews is at fifty-six goals now. He there's a very good chance he'll hit sixty. It's the first time that's going to have happened in a decade. Also very impressive. Yeah, but realistically, McDavid should win the Hart Trophy every year for a decade. You know, he's a once in a generation superstar and far and away the most offensive dominant player in the league since he entered the NHL in 2015 16. You know, and after becoming only the second unanimous MVP in league history last year, I think he should absolutely be the front runner to win it again for a third time this season. You know, he recently, excuse me, recorded his fifth 100 point season and sixth consecutive 60 assist season, which is the second longest streak in NHL history behind only Wayne Gretzky. He's on pace for a career high 123 points and he could still hit 50 goals this year. I believe he will. Yeah. Yeah. And if he continues to rack up points at this rate for the rest of the season, I, I think he'll be the obvious choice to take home the Hart Trophy. I don't know how he could get 125 or close to 130 points, say, if, if he's able to, you know, even take his game up another notch yet and and not give him the MVP award after all that. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I'm 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 really bullish about it. Uh, I mean, he has done it in the past, or he was voted in the past. So um, yeah, and 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 really in a cap space era, and uh, with this competitive all competitive environment in the NHL to produce like like him, it's it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable what 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 he's doing with the puck, and and how is he's still able to develop further and and yes 
he has you know, some years ahead of him. So it, we are really just privileged to to watch him. Uh, I, I hope he, we will have him for a very long, long time in Eppen. Absolutely. And, you know, dis, despite how many legends there are in Oilers history, you know, you, you think of how many greats came through this organization back in the 1980s. McDavid is already fifth all time in Oilers scoring. He yeah, passed yeah, Paul Coffey yeah. a couple weeks ago for fifth. He's only 18 points away from 700 in his career. And I think with, you know, 10 games left, he could absolutely pick up another 18 points and, and get to get to 700 points. That's more yeah. than enough time for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to think 25 years old and already 700 points, like, the future is still so bright for this guy. I don't think he's hit his peak yet. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> last season was incredible, but I, I think he can, he, he didn't get a full 82 game season because of the yeah. pandemic. I think yeah. that yeah. we're going to see a year <clears throat> before his career is done where I think he gets close to 150 points. Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. But the 150 is really uh, a big landmark, right? So, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a big milestone. But if somebody's able to do that, it's, it's Conor McDavid. And, and yeah, we, uh, like I said, we are privileged to watch him. We are privileged to, to have him on the team. I would never forget the, the envelope. It <laughs> 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 was so much fun. I was, I was just freaking out. Uh, I was I mean, really freaking out. <laughs> You so, know, we're almost coming up on the seventh anniversary of uh, of that day, uh, April eighteenth, twenty fifteen, which was also the same day that Wayne Gretzky retired in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, uh, when that envelope opened up and there was a a golden Oilers card inside, and yeah, uh, Bill Daly announced, "We have a winner." I yeah. mean, that's just wow. Yeah, I. That you know, it's it's kind of sad for the state of the team that that was the most exciting thing that happened all season for me watching the Oilers in yeah, 2014-15. But, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, after going through the decade of darkness, uh, to get that sort of reward for our pain and suffering, you yeah. know, I would I would do it all over again just to get Connor McDavid. It was it was worth it, and. Uh, you know, we talked about how great Leon Dreisaitl is, is as well. They, the Oilers got the best player in the draft two years in a row, getting yeah. Dreisaitl in 2014 and McDavid yeah, in 2015. Yeah. They're, they're now the best duo in the league. Uh, if you look at most points by teammates over the last six years, they are well ahead of even the second best duo during that time. So, you know, we're extremely lucky to watch these guys night after night. And uh, let's just hope that uh, we're going to see some playoff success here because that's the one thing that this uh, yeah that these guys haven't quite experienced yet. Uh, you know, you did mention her, that they you know had a good shot in 2017 and were one game away from the conference final, but th these guys are ready to win. It's their time now. They've done so much individually up to this point. I mean awards for both guys 100 point seasons 50 goal seasons like the the individual statistics and accolades are there but they're ready for some team success and uh, i i think that this is uh they're they're gearing up now at the, the way the team's playing they're you know in a good position to enjoy some some playoff success this year definitely definitely yeah okay i want to get your thoughts now on the oilers excellent stretch of play as of late so with their road win over the kings on thursday the oilers extended their winning streak to six games 
It was also their first six-game winning streak since December of 2015. And if they can beat the league-leading Colorado Avalanche tonight, the Oilers will set a new franchise record for longest home winning streak at 10 games. Axel, what have you seen from this group recently that is allowing them to have success? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned all those things, and I, I think that was, um, was a, let's say, key decision um, then uh, by getting Jay Woodcroft uh, taking over as a, as a head coach. And I mean, Roger's place beforehand was not really a fortress, and that's not in any kind of criticism to, to the fans or whatever. It's just the, the way we, are, we were playing or the team was playing on under Tippett and and now we have we have built a fortress and and teams are let's say um, not afraid probably but yeah I mean probably some weaker teams are afraid to, to come to come here it's a harder building to play in but it's a it's a harder building right and 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 and, and you have to give give Jake uh, Woodcroft some some credit about it and and I also realized that um yeah, we are now awake at at the first <laughs> face off in the first period, right? Because under on, on Tippett, uh, uh, I mean, they were they were sometimes sleeping and they they needed a wake up call, and it was sometimes I would just have loved to to skip the first period because we we were we were not in the game, and I think there is now a level of urgency right from the start, and that's great to watch. I mean, beside the Calgary game, um, usually when the, I think when the Oilers scored first, they, they won. Uh, and Only um, one time this year have they yeah, lost. Only one time first. this year, there was a, the, the one-off in, in Calgary. But also I have to say here, I, I was very frustrated. But the, let's say, um, after that game, we, we only saw wins. And and that probably says something about the the head coach, but also the the team, right? So they um, uh, probably some some weeks uh, prior to that or under under Tippett, we would have crumbled and we had more losses and, and things like that. But but they got their act together, and 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 they produce and produce and produce. So. I'm I'm so happy uh, to see that change. Um, I think Tippett was important coming in in 2019 to, mm -hmm. along with Kenny Holland to give some stability, right. to give some structuring, and 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 uh, let's say putting some some pieces together, which which was fine. And then they had like two opportunities with the Plains against the Blackhawks, and also last year then then with the Jets, they. He had the opportunity, but I think uh, especially the, the way we, we lost to the Jets, I think some, something broke during summer and it was never repaired. And um, it was just the time was over um, for Tippett. And, and now having Woodcroft stepping in with a decent record uh, down in Bakersfield. And he's a, he's a new type of head coach. I think he is. He's, he's, very good in approaching younger players and the younger generation and you could you could see that in the faces of of the players there were kind of relief when when Woodcroft took over and they were not let's say directly criticizing Tippett but you could read between the lines that yeah. they were they were really happy that that the change was 
was happening. And um, I would love to have that have that earlier, but Kenny Holland sometimes take a little bit longer uh, to. I think he never he never fired a, a head coach. He never fired a coach, season, right? Season, so right. The, so that was new to him, <laughs> even after <laughs> spending his entire life in the NHL. So. Um, yeah, I'm. And I'm very happy. I'm very happy with Woodcroft and the, the work he's getting in, and and how how the team looks right now. And and he's not he's not changing all the lines like every five minutes. If something is not working mm -hmm. out, sometimes I was I was so upset with with tips. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't able to to see okay who's who's playing with with him on on which line and uh, yeah and now we we take time out in in in, uh, in difficult situations so right. uh, I, I'm really happy I'm, I'm really happy so and you know honestly it wasn't even just the young players you hear guys like Devin Shore or Derek Ryan talk and they both say how how much more they feel a part of the team when yeah. they're able to play more than five minutes a night. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, and I, I don't want to criticize Dave Tippett because I do think he did a lot of good things while he was here. He, you know, he, really, yeah. he really improved the penalty kill. Yeah. Like you said, he brought some stability back to the organization uh, at, a, at a very fragile time when they were you know, changing over management groups. Yeah. And there, there was rumors of frustration from... McDavid and just and I, I don't know if those are warranted or not but obviously you know he's a very competitive guy and wants to win so with the team missing the playoffs two years in a row you know something had to change and I, I think that Dave Tippett you know he he was a good coach for a short amount of time but he had really taken this group as far as they could go and yeah, they, needed, yeah. they needed a new voice uh, they needed someone to come in and, and help write the ship and and uh, jay woodcroft you know to his credit he's injected some life back into this team i love that he always you know he he almost talks like a player talks like he's talking yeah, about yeah. the team after every game you know yeah. he he doesn't always love to single out individuals he says you know we we played a really good team game you know it was yeah, a great yeah. it was a great team win the way he, he always puts the emphasis on the group i like that and i think that it it resonates through the dressing room when you do that. Um, and, and like you said, you know, they were, they were falling behind in games far too often. I think one of the biggest things for this team is they've had better starts. I mean, they gave up the first goal of the game more than any other team in the league yeah, through the yeah. first four months of the season. But on their current 12-2-1 run, the Oilers have opened the scoring in 10 of those 15 games. And... The team that scores first in the NHL wins about two-thirds of the time. So it's it's also important for the Oilers to get used to playing with the lead more often and not having to chase the yeah. game night yeah. after night like they were. And yes, there were a lot of come-from-behind wins earlier in the season, but you don't want to have to go into the third period down a goal or two and have to have this heroic comeback night after night, even if that is really exciting. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to go into the the final frame with a lead and just kind of hold it until the final buzzer. And, yeah. you know, we didn't see that nearly enough. I also think that uh, they've had a lot better attention to detail, especially yeah. in the defensive zone lately. You see the way that they're breaking the puck out. It just, there's less turnovers, fewer turnovers, I should say. Just the way that they're able to, you know, move the puck up ice. I think having a guy like Brett Kulak, you know, another puck mover on the back end has helped as well. And the goaltending. I mean, the Oilers 
we we know as Oilers fans how we feel about the current goaltending tandem. You know, there's there's not as much faith in the the duo of Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen based on the last two playoffs, but during the regular season, they've especially Miko this year. You know, he's been better than than average for the most part and Mike Smith is on an absolute tear right now going 6-0-1 I believe in his yeah. last seven starts so maybe he's heating up at the right time after you know suffering a couple injuries earlier this year that kept him out of the lineup but if the Oilers can even get average goaltending from Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen I think that the Oilers will be able to score enough goals to win most games they don't need you know elite stellar uh, goaltending night after night, like the Rangers might get from yeah. uh, Shesterkin, or the that the Lightning are going to get uh, from Vasilevsky. I mean, as much as you'd love to have a player like that on the team, the Oilers just simply don't right now. So as long as they can yeah. give the Oilers even just even league average goaltending, I believe that they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we, we we could we could have an own podcast on the on the goalie situation. <laughs> <laughs> I would say we could easily spend an hour debating it. Uh, uh, I mean, just my five cents uh, um, on on that here. I, I I was a little bit frustrated when when Holland um, gave this two year contract to um, to Mike Smith. Um, I mean, yeah. um, I always differentiate between the, the person and, and the player, right? So on and on, it's it's about business. Uh, and, and I mean, just from a, uh, from a personal, um, let's say, view, I really like Ms. Smith, uh, Mike Smith, and I also really like uh, Miko Koskinen, right? So it's not, nothing personal, but um, it, it, it was a big gamble. Um, they could uh, bury him in the minors next year yeah, if they had to yeah, as well. And I mean, at the, at the same time, you don't want to hinder the development of their young goalies. Like they have yeah. Konovalov down there. The Oilers just signed a college kid, Ryan Fanti, yeah. who will be looking for playing time in goal for the Condors next year as well. So I, I don't know how they're going to work the situation out. But the one yeah. thing I do know is that Stuart Skinner is going to be on the team next year. You know, he's he'll no longer be waiver exempt, so he would have to pass through waivers to get sent down. So he will be an oiler, at least one of their two goaltenders. It's just a yeah. matter of who the other one will be. And I yeah, don't think yeah. Miko, despite how good Miko Koskinen's been, I don't see him coming back. So it's going to be Skinner and someone new. Yeah. But we have to hope that um, Koskinen and Smith can get the job done, at least for, yeah. for this year. And uh, you know, help this team uh, take that next step. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk to you about sure. is uh, playoff predictions. Uh, I'm just going to simply ask you, how far do you think the Oilers will go in the playoffs this season? <sighs> yeah, so <laughs> usually I'm, I'm I'm a very optimistic person, and as uh, am I. Uh, and, and usually I'm I'm really hyped up when whenever we put an X be behind our team names and the standings, I I, I will immediately decorate the house. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's all all country all over the place uh, to the pleasure of my neighbors. Um, no, but but seriously, I, I think it's very hard to predict. So um, if I'm rational, then I would say. Um, 
I mean, last year, I, I think we, we probably uh, get into to the second um, uh, uh, to the second uh, place in, in our division, and I think the the Kings uh, will be in third place. So we will have a series against the Kings. And what I would love to see is that we don't underestimate the Kings because last year uh, we were looking at the Jets and, and and I think we dominated them during the, the regular season in the North Division. It's okay, uh, will be not easy, but for two Oilers, let's go. And and then we then we were swept. So I don't want to that, that to happen. And, and I don't think it will happen. I think it will be more like the the series against the Sharks in 2017, which was hard fought, but ultimately the, the better team went through, the Oilers. And I think that that could also happen this year, so that we we will have a tough series against the Kings, uh, Todd McNallan. Uh, so it, it will be great, it will be just exciting, uh, and then hopefully we get through. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted you today, uh, in good <laughs> memories of 1999. Uh, we will have a battle of Alberta playoff, and oh, the, I mean, I, on the one hand side, I will love it every second of it, but also it's oh, I'm <laughs> I'm already nervous just thinking about it, and I mean, I'm I'm not even close to Alberta at the moment, but ah, uh, it it will be mind wrecking. It will yes, be, uh, that, it will that's be. what we've been waiting for, right? <laughs> No, fans, I think from both sides, Calgary and Edmonton have both been waiting, you know, over 30 years for another playoff yeah. matchup. And yeah, if that does happen, you know, that would be the first time in the social media age. Yeah, area. yeah, yeah. I think it would. I don't know if Twitter could handle it. <laughs> Yeah, we we will just have to have to pull down the five G network, <laughs> yeah, or, or put put some extra capacity in. Uh, I mean, historically, we we have the edge over them. I mean, it's clear. We won four times. They were when I think they won when uh, won once in nineteen eighty six, which was a real upset. But yeah. I, I what today I I, I couldn't I, I couldn't resist, and I was watching the. Um, um, the 1991 series, at, at least the highlights, and um, there's, there's a nice Twitter account uh, doing Oilers vintage videos in there. Yeah. Uh, I, I really love it. brings brings back a lot of memories and also brings brings um, uh, brings back a lot of um, or shows how 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 this rivalry was, right? And yeah. I remember, I mean, the goalie fight a couple of years ago when, when Jack Michael said, this is the battle of Alberta we have been waiting for for three decades. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, I mean, you, you see, I'm, I'm already excited. So, oh, and, yeah. and, and nobody's, nobody's able to predict if, if we bump into the flames for, for a, a divisional final, I mean, um, Nobody can really say, okay, uh, who, who's going to win that? It will be a nail biter, and it will be. Uh, if I will be so nervous, and I probably have to take holidays or just work, just work on mountain time. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't care to, to be honest. And then, yeah, it's it's a coin flip, right? It's it's really a coin flip. I mean, the, the, you have to get credit to the Flames. I mean, the, we all wrote them off. And now they have a bounce uh, bounce back season, and a lot of lot of depends on 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 their goalie. So they have Markstrom. That's going to be the 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 could be the difference maker in the series yeah, too, right? Yeah. And um, 
So let's let's see, and then then everything is um, whoever advanced. Uh, I mean, probably tired legs, and then you have to see, okay, who's who's going through the central division, and probably um, the Avalanche, who the Oilers probably the, the Avalanche, right? And um, but also Minnesota look looks good, and so yeah, and you never know some of the upsets we have seen in the last couple of years everything is possible and uh, nobody would have predicted that the canadians go on a, go on a cup run last year yeah but as I think mean, with, with, with fans in the building it will be it will be it will be different so i think uh, yeah it will be a mind-blowing Stanley cup series so yeah once uh, you Stanley get cup into the, uh, yeah sorry i mean once you get so, into the playoffs like any anything can happen. I mean, we saw in 2006 how the Edmonton Oilers went all the way to the Stanley Cup final as the eighth yeah. seed. So it's it's not impossible. But having a hot goalie is so important to yeah. success in the playoffs, and that's why you know Smith and Koskinen are really going to have to step up and uh, give this team a, a fighting chance. But um, I like the, I like what you said. I mean, the Oilers. As much as they would love to play the Flames in the playoffs, they can't overlook the Kings. You yeah. know, that's they have to get by th- those guys first, and then if you end up meeting Calgary in the second round, now you're in for a really tough series because the Flames have been one of the top teams in the league this year. Although the Oilers are, although they're about six points behind, they only have one less loss. You yeah. know, Calgary does have some more overtime losses, and I, you know, if if the Oilers avoided that. Ugly two eleven and two stretch they had in the middle of the season. Even if they win one or one or two extra games, it shows how much closer they would be right now to competing for a division title. It's almost impossible to catch them at this point, yeah. but I don't think that there's that big of a difference between the two teams. The Oilers actually are a, a better offensive team. They score a little bit more, but yeah. it's it's that defensive uh, system that Sutter coaches as well as having. Yeah. An outstanding goaltender that is the reason why Calgary is atop the division right now. So we'll yeah. see when those teams eventually meet. But the Oilers will definitely also be looking for revenge for how uh, the last meeting between the clubs went. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and also if probably if Calgary is playing Nashville, it's also not a walk in the park. So also, I mean, I remember uh, some some playoff series where. Where the flames look look great um, over the entire season, and then they then they got swept, I think, by Colorado a couple of years ago. Yeah, and and so you, you never know. I mean, the playoffs are a different animal, and I, I just hope we can we can give it a give it a chance. And uh, I mean, playoff hockey in Edmonton is is just unbelievable right so if you watch the videos from 2006 and, and uh, i was getting up um, late at night early in the morning um back in these back in those days and if i it's just incredible right so the entire city is behind the team and that's that's so amazing that, that brings so much joy even 2017 was was kind of like that and uh, yeah hopefully we have we have all we all have a big blast uh, during during may and hopefully a little bit of june definitely and, and you know you mentioned earlier that um historically the oilers arena wherever they've played whether it be rexall place or rogers place it isn't an overly loud arena uh you know but come playoff time it's deafening in there 
And it's yeah. almost like the fans save their energy for the most yes. important time <laughs> yeah. of the season. And unfortunately, there haven't been as many trips to the playoffs over the last 15 years as we would have liked. But now that they're almost certainly heading back to the playoffs for a third straight season, this is this is the time when you're going to see that building really explode because the last two playoff runs, let's remember, there were no fans. So to have to have fans back at an Oilers playoff game for the first time since 2017, you know, they're going to be ready to go. And I'm hoping to attend a playoff game. I've I've never had the opportunity to watch the Oilers play a playoff game live. So this will hopefully be the, the first chance that I'll have uh, next month. I cross my finger for you. <laughs> Thank you. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, Eric, that you are having a having a playoff game. Well, it would have been two years ago if uh, if not for the pandemic. You know, I was living yeah. in Toronto in 2017, so that kind of that was my first time as an adult that the Oilers yeah. had made the playoffs because I was only True. 17 yeah. in 2006. Um, so I would have went in 2017, but I wasn't in the province at the time and then of course now that uh you know the pandemic is hopefully getting closer to an end and that fans will be you know filling out the arena i'll i'll have a chance to be one of them for either game one or two uh against the kings as the oilers look to lock down home ice advantage and a win tonight against the avalanche would go a long way to doing that yeah hopefully hopefully so um so let's see. I'm I'm eager to watch it. So will be a four a.m. face-off here in Germany, but yeah. it's 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 a Sunday, so I can I can go go to bed after it. But probably I I will have so much adrenaline <laughs> rushing through the body yeah. that I will that I will be awake uh, and then having breakfast with the family, hopefully with a big smile on it. But I am the. This game tonight will will not define the season for sure. I'm I'm really looking forward for the Las Vegas game in, in one week from now. So that's a um, that's a 10 p.m. Uh, face off here in Germany. So so let's see if I can I can have some some friends over or meet up with some friends to to watch the game. Um, and I think that that will be a dis- one of the decisive games um, coming up now. And uh, yeah, I mean things are looking good statistical wise, but um, I'm eagerly waiting for an X behind our name and the standings, and then, uh, then we can look forward for some some great playoff hockey. I am too, my friend. Well, anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, uh, even with the time difference, making uh, making the time to to do this. I really appreciate it. Sure. Ho- hopefully, you'll be back on the show again sometime. Thank you so much, Eric. And yeah, great show and and all the best for you and talk soon. I appreciate that. All right. So for Axel Schaefer, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever podcast. We're out.